Welcome to Living Word Ministries with director and Bible teacher, Debbie Blank. Each week, Debbie examines current events through the lens of end times Bible prophecies. Please visit our website for information and past programs at livingwordministry.org. Now let's open our Bibles to focus on truths from God's Word with Debbie Blank. We've all heard of sanctuary cities which harbor illegal immigrants. But did you know that the California Senate just passed a bill on August 3rd that would make California a sanctuary state for transgender youth and their parents? This law would allow parents fleeing other states who've already passed laws supporting minors and protecting them against questionable medical practices regarding transgenders. And this would allow the minors to be safe from prosecution as well as their parents and could continue that treatment for the children. I tell you, this is such a tragedy in so many ways, biblically, scientifically, legally, and in my opinion, a moral tragedy for our confused kids and those kids that are being manipulated with inaccurate or manipulative language in schools and other places. Sometimes we take the attitude, well, this doesn't affect me or my family, so why should I be involved? Well, the fact of the matter is we all need to be involved because this is happening to our children. They're learning about these things in school because most of them are not hearing about it from their parents. So you and I, whether this affects us or not, we must be the beacon in the harbor to set the direction for our future generations. I'm Debbie Blank. Today we'll be discussing what's happening to our families and what we can do to stop it. And I'm co-host Jackie Sailors. Can a human being actually be born into the wrong body? And can you be assigned the wrong sex or gender at birth? And as some teach, is the doctor only guessing when he proclaims to the happy parents, it's a boy or it's a girl? Well, that's what some teachers are telling even the youngest children and encouraging them to explore their own multiple possibilities. Perhaps they feel like dressing as the opposite sex or would like to choose from a multitude of exciting new pronouns all before many even know what their favorite color is. We're all supposed to be suddenly falling into line with this new thinking, and pop music icon Lady Gaga recorded a song called Born This Way, which has become an anthem for the cause. While the God of the Bible is clear and simple in describing his creation, Satan, the small g, God of this world, is all about rebellion, confusion, and destruction. Today, we'll take a look at the growing transgender phenomenon and its consequences. Let's first define what transgender is. According to WebMed, it defines transgender in a general term that describes people whose gender identity or their internal sense of being male or female or something else does not match with the sex they were assigned to at birth. The sex they were assigned to at birth. Me too. That always gets me when I hear that phrase. They weren't assigned anything. They were created that way by God. Created in the mother's womb, we have to remember that Genesis 1.27 clearly identifies our genders as male or female. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. So God created us from the very beginning, knowing what our sex would be, knowing what our temperament was, knowing who our parents would be and where we would go, everything about us. It's not for us to turn around and say that God made a mistake. Nowhere in the Bible does it explicitly talk about transgenderism because nothing like this was ever possible before. But it does talk about cross-dressing. 
In Deuteronomy 22.5, it says, A woman shall not wear man's clothing, nor a man put on women's clothing. For whoever does these things is an abomination to the Lord your God. That's clear that cross-dressing, acting like another gender, is an abomination to God. And then, of course, probably the closest thing we have in the Bible dealing with transgenders would be the discussion on homosexuals. There's lots of places in Scripture that talk about that, including Romans 1. But I'm going to share a couple of other verses with you. One is 1 Corinthians 6, 9. And it says, Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? And then it goes on to say who they are. And it starts out by saying, Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminates, nor homosexuals. And then it goes on to a bunch of other sins. So God calls effeminates or homosexuals. He calls that sin. He says they will not inherit the kingdom of God. Leviticus 20.13 is the one that's used most of the time when it says, If there is a man who lies with a male, as those who lie with a woman, both of them have committed a detestable act. They shall surely be put to death. Their blood guiltness is upon them. People are making the decisions to do this out of their own desire, their own blood guiltness, God calls it. Not having anything to do with God or any way that God made them wrong, as some people say, or in the wrong bodies or in the wrong sex. It's people's determination to do that. And when they do, according to scripture, they go against God's design for mankind, God's design for that particular person. And it's really a very strong statement to call this cross-dressing in that previous verse as an abomination, to refer to it as an abomination. Also, homosexuality is referred to in many translations and in other scriptures as an abomination. So why such strong language for those things? I just remember in the 50s, women didn't want to wear pants, and they were really reticent to start wearing pants or jeans. Part of it might have been looking at that verse. I do remember some Christian women back then when I was a little kid talking about that kind of thing and being very careful about whether they were wearing something that was manly. It wasn't supposed to go that far, but what they were talking about was, like you said, more like the cross-dressing. And I think there were pagan priests that did some sort of cross-dressing in their pagan ceremonies and their idolatrous worship ceremonies because they did a lot of really detestable things. Part of it could be association with that. But God knows what is right and what is the right order of things and how we can go off the tracks and how Satan directs us off the tracks all the time, and I think especially in this area. Remember, God created us male and female, and he did that so that our bodies could come together in such a way as to procreate, to make children. He also allowed the sexual context of the marriage to be enjoyable, but it was always defined in the Bible as one man and one woman together for life. No other outside relationships, no relationships with people of the same sex. Anytime we deviate from that direction, we go against God. Our culture may say it's right. Our culture may be doing it, but that doesn't mean it's right. It doesn't mean that we should do it or that we should accept it. We must stand on the truths of the Bible. This is our plumb line. The Bible is. It gives us the direction for everything in life. When we start deviating it, we deviate from God. We're no different than the people throughout the Old Testament and New who turned away from God to do what seemed right in their own eyes. 
God does not want us to do that. And it's up to us as Christians, as followers of Christ, to be disciples of Jesus, to follow him and his leadership and his teachings, to do what he tells us to do, because then he is truly our Lord. Then we have a relationship with him where we want to be obedient to him and not walk away from him to do what we want to do. If we do that, then we're our own gods. We've made ourselves the preeminent person in our lives rather than making Jesus Christ Lord of our lives. That's exactly what I was thinking as you were talking because I was thinking about if we do something that God clearly calls an abomination, it's very clear, then what are we saying? We're saying no, Lord, and we're going our own way. We've become our own God. Now let's look at some other things about this California law. During the hearings, many of the more than 45 people who opposed the law were parents of teens who formally identified as transgender. Did you catch that? Formally. That means that they identified as transgender, but then changed their minds back to doing what is right. Now, this proposed legislation, which has already passed the Senate, but not yet their assembly, the proposed legislation would prohibit law enforcement in California from either arresting or extraditing charges in other states or nations for child abuse or other crimes related to allowing minor children to receive this, quote, gender-affirming care. It always amazes me what great terms they use for some of this care or these bills that they're using. Sounds so positive. Additionally, the bill would prohibit health care providers and contractors from releasing medical information related to a person or entity allowing a child to receive gender-affirming health care. Now, if you read between the lines there, and I just read a quote from the information, it says that they can prohibit providers from releasing information. To whom? To the parents. So this is another opportunity for the government to take away parental rights. And yet the parents still have the responsibility for children under 18 in every way, legally, medically, financially, morally, every way. And now the government is looking at taking away those rights. Well, and the damage, when we're talking about, like you said, that the wonderful-sounding gender-affirming care, that sounds so nurturing. But what it is, we're talking about puberty blockers, cross-sex hormone therapy, surgery. And when we're talking about taking off body parts, we're maiming God's creation. We're taking it and throwing parts away. I mean, it's just hard to believe that someone, an entity, a a school counselor or a school administration could go along with this kind of thing and brainwashing children toward that type of attitude. I saw an interview with two people that were former transgenders and they were detransitioning and they both talked about how they had been pushed into it. Had they had more time to think about it, had they had a little bit more maturity, they never would have done it. How miserable they were on the hormones, One of them had the surgery and had a certain part removed. One of them had not gone that far, was so glad he hadn't, and was transitioning back to a male and said he felt so much better as a male. What they do is they take children who feel they have problems. They don't fit in for one reason or another. And how many times as we were growing up did we feel that way? That's normal. They push them into saying this is the reason why, and if you take these treatments, your problems are going to be solved. And it's not true. It's a lie. Just consider that if you have a non-custodial parent who wants to help their child transform, 
they can take them to California and they will not be held responsible. And yet the custodial parent will have no say in this at all. And then you consider that if a child wants to make this transition and his parents don't agree with him, he could run away or she could run away to California and they'll take care of them without the parental involvement. It's just amazing what's going on. But then when you consider God's word in all of this, God says in Psalm 139, 13 through 16, that we are fearfully and wonderfully made by him. He made us exactly how we are. The passage reads, for you, God, form my inward parts. You wove me in my mother's womb. I will give thanks to you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works and my soul knows it very well. That passage, the psalmist is praising God for his wonderful works in creating him, the psalmist, and how perfect God is in doing that. Then he goes on to say, my frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the depths of the earth. Your eyes have seen my unformed substance and in your book were all written the days that were ordained for me when as yet there was not one of them. If there's any passage in scripture that proves that God created us and formed us in our mother's wombs to be exactly how we are, that's one of those great verses. And if we say that we are different sex or we feel like we are, or we think we might be, then how God created us, we're making God out to be a liar. We're saying God made a mistake. Now God doesn't sin. He doesn't make mistakes. When Jesus was here on this earth, Hebrews 4.15 reminds us that he didn't sin. It says, For we do not have a high priest who can't sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin. So God doesn't sin. God doesn't make mistakes. In Numbers 23.19, we're reminded that God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should repent. In other words, he doesn't make mistakes. Has he said and will he not do it? He says and does everything that he says he'll do. Or has he spoken and will he not make it good? And that's what he did when he created each one of us. To say that we're not a male or female as God created us is to make God out to be a liar. We're doing that in our culture by negating God in so many things. And this is just another way of doing that. And you know, when we are away from Christ, we're all a bit adrift, aren't we? The more our culture is away from Christ the less our children have that anchor that we had when we were growing up, that got us through some of those times when we were unsure about ourselves as we were developing and growing up. What happened with us was we were able to find our identity where it's supposed to be. Our identity is in Jesus Christ. And when we have that, we're whole and we feel good. We can go on about our lives without all these complications of 68 different genders, and we need to sit and ponder which one we are, or we might be something different next week because it's all fluid. And so we're supposed to be trying to make those decisions when we could just rest in Jesus Christ and have our identity in him. That is such a great statement, Jackie. That's so true. Let's talk about the medical information that has come out since people have been pushed into these decisions, specifically dealing with young people. We know that at the same time that the California law was being approved by their Senate, the U.S. Food and Drug Administration warned of the risk of blindness and brain tumors for the use of puberty blockers after six minors ages 5 to 12 experienced severe symptoms. What are they doing giving puberty blockers to 5-year-olds or even 12-year-olds? 
It's not medically necessary. It can be harmful. They don't know enough about what's going to happen in the future. And yet they're now seeing things, blindness, brain tumors. That's pretty scary. Did they tell that to all the people who are looking at transgendering? The minors who are all biologically female, according to this report, suffered from symptoms of tumor-like masses in the brain, including visual disturbances, and they had headaches and vomiting and swelling of the optic nerve and blood pressure increase and eye paralysis. Ugh, who wants a child to go through something like this? That tells me that they didn't do enough research before they started using these things. It's not surprising that at their 2021 conference, the American Academy of Pediatric Members, 80% of them supported a resolution calling for, quote, more debate and discussion of the risks, benefits, and uncertainties inherent in the practice of medically transforming minors. But guess what? Nothing ever happened to that. They made the same suggestion in 2022. Nothing has ever come of it. No research has come out of that discussion. Mayo Clinic They say puberty blockers may also have long-term effects on future fertility, which makes sense when you're changing the sexual organs. St. Louis Children's Hospital has stated that puberty blockers may cause, quote, less development of genital tissue, which may limit options for gender-affirming surgery later in life, end quote. Well, I could go on and on, but I'll just tell you that in London, there was a place called the Tavistock Center, which helped people transform from one sex to another sex, they're closing next spring because there's been too many concerns and too many questions over the procedures that are being done to minors to allow them to transition. And it's not just them. Finland and Sweden have abandoned their affirmation model. At least they have for people under 18 in Sweden and under 25 in Finland. Well, it's something to consider at any age, but certainly this should not be done to children under 18. We as parents are responsible for our kids until age 18. We should have the say, not them. And then in New Zealand and Australia, they have issued a sobering statement of ethics in treating gender dysphoria. People all across the world are starting to question what's happening now because of the medical concerns. And yet California is saying that they're going to approve a law to allow kids of any age to transform without their parental consent. Well, California needs to consider the science, don't they? We're all supposed to be following the science, and they're not doing that right now. It's interesting that, as you said, so many of those institutions that were doing that, medically approving of that, are now changing their minds because they're having a chance to see the actual consequences and weigh the risks and benefits. When you use puberty blockers, you're blocking puberty, you're giving children hormones, powerful, powerful hormones that are against what their system wants to be. Their DNA in every cell of their body says they are male or they are female in almost every instance. Most people, they have their body crying out to be whatever it was that God created them to be. And to think that you would do whatever you could to suppress that, of course there's going to be bad consequences to that. So it's important to know some of those things that you mentioned and some of the other consequences that we wouldn't even know yet because they're down the road. What's interesting is they say puberty is generally the cure for this situation. In maybe 80, 85% of the cases, I'm not sure the exact number, but a very high number of kids, maybe even higher than that, grow out of this. As they get through puberty, they start to feel more themselves and the way they're supposed to be. They settle into who they are. To mess with that when they might have come out of it perfectly well is just, it's sinful. It's a crime. 
Well, part of this has to do with the government taking over parental responsibilities. I talked about that earlier, about how the schools are pushing this new agenda, this woke agenda, but also the new transgender. Kids are talking about it. And when kids talk about it, all of a sudden it becomes cool. And if you want to be cool, you might be one of these people who does that. Let me share just a couple of examples of schools that have done these types of things. One of them is in Iowa. The Parents Defending Education has filed a lawsuit against Lenmar Community School District in Iowa. The lawsuit alleges that the district's violating the kids' First and Fourteenth Amendment rights with its transgender and student non-conforming to gender role stereotypes. That was quote, end quote. So they explained in their press release, which happened on April 25th of this year, the Lindmar School Board voted through policy 504.13 against the protestations of dozens of community members while telling parents that such a chain merely codified district practices that have been going on for the past five years. Well, they said the parent exclusion policy asserts that the district will not disclose a student's transgender status to parents unless the student specifically authorizes it. And that any student in seventh grade or older will have the priority of their support plan over their parent's guardian. Which means in practice, these gender identity decisions are going to be made by the kids and the parents are going to be kept away from it. Parents will not know what's going on, but their kids might be depressed. They might be struggling. They might be cutting themselves. They might be taking pills. They might commit suicide and the parents don't even know what they're struggling with. And not only that, but science has pointed out that children with autism They're more vulnerable to being influenced by transitioning in the school system as they hear all of this information. Another place, the San Diego Unified School District, claims that heterosexuality, that's what we believe in the Bible, is a system of oppression. So the God-given sexual priority of male and female is now an oppression. It promotes the idea that girls can have penises and encourages children to adopt synthetic sexual identities such as pansexual, genderqueer, and two-spirit. You talk about kids getting confused. The district wants to teach the kids that white Europeans created this gender binary, this man and this woman identity that oppresses trans and intersexuals and non-binary people. We, if we are white, we're responsible for this. Where's the logic in all of this? The school district is going to teach that the solution to dismantling this heteronormativity is to eliminate gender language and promote synthetic sexual identities. And then they go on to say they're going to train teachers to use the principles of radical gender theory to answer questions such as how do gay people have sex and what is porn and What does semen taste like? I'm embarrassed to even say those things. I'm quoting from this article. These are school districts, one in Iowa, one in San Diego. And San Diego's in California, but San Diego generally is a pretty conservative part of California. And they're doing this to our children. Folks, what's going on in your school district? What are your kids being taught? What does the curriculum say? The reason we know this is because parents got involved. They went and read the curriculum. They've participated in the information so they can know what's happening. And that's why they've publicized this. I read today that 1.2 million kids have left the public school system because the parents do not want their kids being taught these kinds of things or participating in this discussion. The Bible says we shouldn't even be talking about these things, especially as children. Debbie, when I think over everything we've talked about so far, and you think about the parents, 
My heart goes out to parents whose children are so distraught that they think they are confused by something like this to the point of threatening suicide. If a school system, a school administrator, a counselor, a doctor, a psychologist, somebody comes to the parents and says, your child has said that they are suicidal, and this is the reason, and this is what we need to do, parents go with the experts, and they and they are so concerned about saving the life of their child. If this is the issue, most parents would do whatever it was that they felt was the right thing to do. They can really be pressured, and we have a, an instance here of a woman who tells her story about how she was pressured to do this for her daughter, or ended up being to her daughter. They really regretted it. What did she have to say? This was in her written testimony before the California Assembly as they were voting on this bill. She's a San Francisco Bay Area mother, and she explained what happened when her daughter once believed she was a transgender, but then she changed her mind. The mother says, at the insistence of the medical community, we regrettably placed our 12-year-old daughter, gender-confused daughter, on puberty blockers. We're not told of any long-term side effects, the mom said. Medical providers use the threat of suicide to pressure us to accept our daughter as our son. With both social and medical transition, our daughter's mental health grew worse, not better as they tell you it's going to happen. She went on to say that her daughter became more suicidal, was cutting herself, her sleeping and eating habits were abnormal to the point where every day was crisis management until she took the child out of public school, which she said was pushing this gender identity. Her daughter then began to detransition after she sought the help of an out-of-state psychiatrist who, with family, love, and compassion, brought our daughter back. Imagine losing your child, the woman said, because you believe in biological facts. My daughter is now happy in her female body, but I will never forgive myself for subjecting my child to what may result in long-term health problems. Only time will tell what puberty blockers did. That's just one written testimony. There were dozens of others. And across the country, there's been thousands of parents who have spoken out much like this. But unfortunately, When parents go to doctors and they expect help from them, they're not getting it. I encourage you as parents, if you're going through this, you must seek the best psychological help of people who are willing to talk about the truth, not being forced to follow governmental policies in saying the woke mentality of what they want you to say. Whatever the cause, whatever the reason that people think they have this gender distortion, it's not from God. That means that we can overcome it and we can be healed by it through the blood of Jesus Christ and only through his blood. Jesus is the one who heals. He forgives and he's the one who transforms our lives. If we as parents will turn to Jesus, if we as parents will take the responsibility of monitoring our kids and watching over them to make sure that they're not involved in these things, if we will teach them biblical principles so they know what's right and wrong, and we give them a loving home demonstrating how God wants the family to be with father and mother and children and what the biblical principles are if we hold them accountable. If we will do this, we can make a difference. What if we decide to run for a school board? We could make a huge difference there or hold our school officials and our public officials accountable for what they're doing. We must start standing up and doing that. We've got to do everything we can to stop this agenda. 
the lies and the manipulation, because it's just one more chunk of taking out the Bible from our lives, taking God out of our lives and doing what seems right in our own eyes. And the Bible says the end thereof is death. Let's not continue to go down that slippery slope. Let's stop it before it's too late so we can get our children back. So we can have them living the way they should be living and not committing atrocities and not hurting themselves and not committing suicides, which are the number one reason for children's death. Folks, this is all about our children. This is all about our future generations. We must stand up and speak. Thank you for joining us today on Living Word Ministries with Debbie Blank. This is a listener-supported show. If you'd like to support this program or contact Debbie Blank, you may do so at P.O. Box 540-003, Omaha, Nebraska, 68154, or visit our website at livingwordministry.org. Please tune in each week at this same time for Living Word Ministries with Debbie Blank.